Wow. Nice. Morning. All right. Good morning. Welcome to Sunday morning class. Auditorium. My my uh, my talkers are gone this morning. A lot of them. So they gave you a chance to get first. Doctor Susan are gone. And what's going on? What I was thinking about. What's it, Clayton? Yeah, Clayton's usually a good good verbal one too. So some of the. Some of the uh, voices are gone, but like I said, it gives plenty of chances for you, and uh, hopefully I got questions that are answerable. I try to. It's not too easy sometimes. So let's continue our study of life of Christ. These are my guides that I use. Chapter 18 in our book is where we're at. We're going to be in Matthew 20 today. We start out in Matthew 19, and we're going to get into Matthew 20. So... Who then can be saved is really the question we're going to answer. And I, I'm going to say that's the, that's the theme of the day. It's going to start out with picking up where Chuck left off. Chuck left off last week with the uh, rich young ruler. And basically that story is who can be saved. You know, how, what do I need to do to have eternal life? There's Mr. Chuck. And uh, so it, it evolves into that. And then we're going to look at the parable of the um, parable of laborers in the vineyard. And that one again, is really who can be saved. So that's the theme for today. So in Matthew 19, starting in verse 23, And Jesus said to His disciples, Truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, with God, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on His glorious throne, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel." And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. So we're picking up from last week. Chuck finished off with the rich young ruler, right? That's who you finished off. And uh, so that's kind of where it was with that. And the last, one of the last statements, the key statement that rolls over is because um, the rich young ruler says, what do I need to get eternal life? And, life? and he basically says, I've kept the law, I've kept the commandments. And uh, this is Jesus' answer. If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. So this is what he says. Chuck? Yeah, that and also the two men praying. The rich man and the poor man. Yeah. It all runs together in what he's talking about here. And this runs into the, yeah, today, and it runs into the, in the, in the vineyard. Rich and the poor, all the way through this particular point, yeah. um, is people who are humbled versus people who are not humbled. Right. And that's, and that's kind of his, that's kind of what he's talking about here is he's talking about the rich man can't enter because he's not humble. He thinks he can do it himself and he's not going to ask for help. 
That's it. That's, that's the thing. Yeah, I can do it all myself. The money I have, the, the power I have, the posterity, this is what, that's what they tend to rely on. It's not the amount of dollars in your pocket, but where your focus is. That's what makes it hard for a rich man to be saved. <laughs> dum, dum, dum. All right, that's it for class today. Um, a rich is commonly looked upon as divine favor. Have you ever heard someone say, I am blessed for whatever I have? You know, house, money, car, job. I've heard churches who say God must be with us because every pew is full. You know, the dollars are rolling in. Is that necessarily the case? Not always. Not always. And sometimes it's, you know, it, it can be, especially with riches and stuff, God's shown favor on me because I got money in my pocket. God shows favor on somebody who ain't got money on his pocket, too. So, and that's something to remember. So, uh, yeah, but commonly, that's a common thing that some people don't look any farther than that. Is it impossible for the rich to be saved? We'll ask that question. Yes. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. So that's the key. It's not impossible. It's tough, but it's not impossible. It says that the disciples were astonished in verse 25. It said they are greatly astonished. Why were they greatly astonished? Is it A, because God can fit a camel through the eye of a needle? Is it B, rich isn't equal to, be, isn't equal to blessed? C, difficult for the rich to be saved? Or D, that that honorable, lovable, rich young man did not have eternal life because he clung to his riches. Which part of that seems astonishing, do you think? All of them. Nora says all of them. Probably. You know, I don't, I don't really, I camel through the eye of a needle, I think that, to be honest, they, that's probably the least astonishing of all of them, but. Chuck? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you say, it's, it's you see it continually that uh, the the richest are the ones in power, um, the ones who are the poorest, are the ones who you know as he, he goes to as Jesus goes to help someone who is who is lame, crippled, blind, whatever. What has what have you done wrong? And this is how they viewed everything. And yeah, to hear that the the ones on top, the Pharisees and such, may not actually get into heaven. That's a big shock. That's a big shock. No, he wasn't rich. Didn't have a didn't have a paying job. Didn't have a house. Uh, rode into town on the colt of a donkey. Um, not quite what we'd expect in today's world, is it? Not quite. 
Moving on to verse 26, Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, with God all things are possible. Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? How were the apostles different from the rich young man? They were poor. They were poor. <laughs> no. They, you know, that's, they did not have as much to walk away from. And in all honesty, they'd already walked away from anything they had. I mean, the, the early ones on. Get down off that boat and I'll make you fishers of men. All right, Dad, it's your business now. You know, I mean, it's, they walked away from some of that kind of stuff. And uh, Alvin? Yeah, what little they had. They gave up jobs. Yeah, and there was a, an array of jobs. I mean, walk away from a tax collector's booth where you can basically write your own checks. Walk away from a fishing business, um, an established fishing, fishing business. So, that stuff, yeah, they walked away from it. Even Peter, it seems like he walked away from his wife. So, you know. We see later that his mother-in-law is sick, right? This is his mother-in-law. So he seems to have had a wife that he left to follow Jesus. So, Grant? I guess you're right. I mean, in all, in all honesty, they are asking that. And especially following up with the young, rich young ruler, give away all you have. You know, since you've done so well with this, give that stuff away. And these guys are saying, we've, we've done that. So, yeah, you're right. We've seen their mess-ups, too. We've seen their errors. Uh, we don't see his, but we see theirs. And that, that sacrifice does lead into the next parable once we get into that. So... Peter's question, what then will we have, points back to Jesus' answer to the rich young ruler. If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. So that treasure in heaven part is what he's looking for. What, will, what then will we have? We've given up all this. What treasure do we expect? So I don't know. even really know if the apostles, what they expected. Did they expect real treasure? Did they expect eternal life in heaven? We know what they get, but, you know, that's their question, is what will we get? Verse 28, what would a reward be? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on His glorious throne, you will have followed Me. You who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands, for My name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Many of our first will be last, and the last will be first. So, what reward will these guys get? They're going to be sitting on thrones. There you go. That's a, that's a pretty high spot. Um, when the Son of Man sits on a throne, when Jesus Himself sits on a throne, these guys get to sit next to Him. Well, that means they're going to be coming judges. Yeah, you're right. It's a high rank. It's a, it's a role of judgment, whether it's to make righteous or to already 
you know, the condemnation is the other side of that. But they, that's a role that they, they will get. All 12? <laughs> Don't know. Not my place. Even sometimes when Judas is gone, you'll see that the 11 apostles are referred to as the 12, and the 12 is kind of a completeness thing. So 12 doesn't necessarily, I don't, I won't say that the 12 represents the apostles as much as the 12 represents the faithful, the church. So that's my, that's my saying anyway. So, you know, I find I'm wrong, let me know. You're still thinking physical earth. Yeah, so it seems like says, you're going to be the 12, they're saying, okay, well, you have 12 governors or lieutenants or whatever it is. Yeah. So they're still not, they're not on the same page. No. You know, spiritual and they're thinking physical. But they have a lifetime of that. And it's hard to see otherwise. You know, even once Jesus is gone, um, now what is a, you know, is a common thing um, that they go through? So anyway, so they're going to have eternal life. They're going to have the thrones. It says they'll be rewarded a hundredfold for whatever they sacrifice. So. All the way through the earth, you'll be 12 thrones. You'll be judging. You'll have a hundredfold. And, and you'll inherit eternal life. I think at that particular point they went, what? Yeah. yeah, it's all physical, 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 physical. And like, yeah, what's, yeah, you're right. What is it? And even the eternal life, is it? I don't know. I, I think, well, they, they believed in an afterlife, so that would be looking at the eternal life that way, not, not that they would stay at age 30 for the rest of their the rest of the days. So, a lot of in that stuff. It really is, and I know there's a lot of teachings and a lot of, you can look on the internet and you can find anything and everything, and a lot of it's not quite tied into everything else. But, yeah, I think they're looking for physical, because I know the Jews in general were looking for a physical kingdom. They were looking for the king to come on earth and rule and uh, kick the Romans out of their land. And um, 2,000 years later, and they're still kind of looking for that same thing. So. Does this apply to us too? Yes. There you go. There's the answer. Yes. <laughs> Take that, because that's the answer. Um, yeah. Will rewards in heaven be based on A, how long we serve God, or B, how faithfully we serve God? B, how faithfully. Yeah, how faithfully. Judas was one of the first apostles, Paul was one of the last. Um, just to kind of let that sink in, is, you know, at, at the last one, so first will be last, and the last will be first. Judas was one of the first, but things didn't work out too good, too good with Judas. Paul is the last. The apostles. So, you know, it's not a judgment of how long you serve, how long you give stuff up. It's just that you're faithfully part of that kingdom. Faithfully follow Christ. This is the scene for Jesus telling the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. And that's where we're going to go to next. So, laborers in the vineyard, vineyard, change a page, whatever. It's Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16. And that's basically where we'll be the rest of class. Uh, I'll tell the parable and we'll get back to it. So Matthew 20 verse 1 and 2, for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. 
And to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. At about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing. He said to them, Why do you stand there idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And in verse 8, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers, pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the house, master of the house, saying, These last worked only an hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge me generosity? So the last will be the first. And the first, last. Alright, so we'll back up and look at this. So in Matthew 20, verse 1, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning, Hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. So it's a parable. So everything in a parable has some kind of meaning. It takes some kind of place that means or represents something else. So who does the master of the house represent? Any wild guesses? God, look at that. That is quite a wild guess. I think just about every parable that there's somebody in charge, it's it's God. You know, it just that's somebody that's on top of it all. It, it's God. So yeah, the master of the house is God the Father. Is what you see in this. So what's a vineyard represent? So God the Father has a vineyard, and he's hiring laborers. What do you think the vineyard represents? You know, the world is a good answer. Well, I don't know that's a fully the full answer, and that's um, especially when you start looking at the workers. Where would the workers work? They're going to work in. He- yeah, it's not heaven, is it? Uh. Uh-uh. So it's his vineyard, though, right? So it would be. The vineyard is people. I'll give you that. I think vineyard is definitely people. It's not, it's not that they're just scratching out the earth and stuff. The vineyard's going to be people. And it's his people. And what do we call his people? Church. So, good possibility that the, the vineyard, Chuck? I see the laborers as a church too. And that's still the work of the church, really, right? It's, it's the work of the church, this, the evangelism, the spreading of the gospel. And they're not working, you know, and I don't know. I, like I said, I read commentaries, and I kind of looked at it always as the vineyard was the world. And like I said, the, the church worked in the world to bring people in, to make a harvest. But it's his vineyard. It's his people. It's, and the church is not just... The orange carpet. The church isn't just the saved. 
you know, the, the church has work, right? Like I said, to evangelize. Um, That's true. Yeah, he works through us. The only way the work's going to get done is if he has laborers to go do it. He makes a lot of allusions to, because it was an agrarian society. Yeah. He makes a lot of allusions to that. He says, you know, the, the crops, they're ready to go, but the amount of people that go out there and bring the crop in, they're few. Yeah. So to me, this kind of piggybacks somewhat on what he has said in other areas where he talked about the crops and the labor. More and more I see parables interlinked on that kind of thing. Grant? I mean, it seems like you're communicating that the vineyard is not necessarily a setting, no. rather than it is a type of work. And that, that God's people, the people that he hires in the church, you know, in a way, when they come to him, they are doing the work of the church. Um, and and that, that work could be evangelism, it could be uh, self-maintenance, it could be uh, encouragement, whatever. But the, that it's not, not a setting, instead a, a type of work. I like that. I like the better one I have to say. There we go. Sharon? And the reward in terms of the payment, in terms of the, the first... Yeah. That, okay, I may come in after you. Mm -hmm. But I still get the same reward. Same reward. That's yeah. That's the key to the key to the story. Yeah. Because the reward is, in the end of it, it's it's eternal life. It's the same as what we just looked at. It's the same as what the rich young ruler. It's yeah. It's the same. So. Okay. Why do I capitalize church with a C rather than not capitalize with a C? You ever seen it done that way? You ever seen church sometimes with a capital C, sometimes without a capital C? Okay. Um, I kind of picked this up at the, at the school of preaching. The capital C is kind of the church in general. And the little c, and they tend to do with the congregation. So the work of the church with a little c would be the work necessarily of this congregation, whether it's teaching or preaching or driving the bus or food pantry or picking one another up. You know, lifting one another up. That would be the church with a little c. The big church being God's kingdom, God's people. So it would be the church that's here. It's the church that Grant and Jamie go to in Tennessee. It's the church that Grant went to in, in Virginia. It's the, the work, that, you know, the, the church that we support in Zimbabwe and Nicaragua. The work of World Bible School. It's still the work of the church, which may or may never come back to this orange carpet. So the C, usually and what I do, I tend to do is I put capitalized letters on things that are God. Uh, God, Christ, the gospel, the church. Church is the body of Christ. So it's not just, not just the people in this room, it's the body of Christ. So I tend to capitalize that. But you can see the big church versus the congregation. So um, Anyways, so the church of the capital C is what I think the vineyard is. Are the laborers hired to work in the vineyard or his vineyard? Are they hired to work in a vineyard or are they hired to work in his vineyard? His vineyard, right? They're working for, they're working for God. 
but working for God the Father. It's the work that He's set aside. It's not just go pick your own work and I'm doing this for God. It's His work. It's His, his vineyard. Uh, so the laborers, we said this earlier, the laborers are Christians. That's who, who these people are. They're His people doing His work. Um, and He has brought them in. Uh, that's another part of it. He, he hires them. I know that's not the greatest parable, um, but that again, maybe it is because there's a wage at the end. But He's brought them in to do the work of the church. It's still a choice. They didn't have to go, do they? They didn't have to go. Because he goes to the marketplace. Master um, House went early in the morning to hire laborers. I have the following work and I need workers. Who wants to go? Not everybody said me. Because as we see in the parable, he goes back five times. And some of these guys have been standing around all day. No, you know, it's a choice. It's a choice to go, but it's his call. It's his invitation. And, it's, uh, and that's part of it. Are they hired to come in to come to his vineyard or are they hired to work in his vineyard? B. 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 Everybody's got a different set of talents. Everybody has a different set of work as part of it. It's, and that's, you know, it's, they're hired to work in his vineyard. They're not really just come and watch. They're hired to work. What's the expected pay for the laborers hired on this early morning? After agreeing with laborers for... What's the payment? A denarius. Anybody know what a denarius is? It's set right here. Yeah, it's a day's wage. I went, I've gone looking for this before in the past. A uh, denarius is kind of like the common soldier's wage, but they really, a lot of it points back to here. This parable sets what a denarius is worth. It's worth a day's wage. Um, I found things where it's like worth a quart of wheat and, a, and three quarts of barley. Um, it's a silver coin. Anyways, it's right here, kind of the key to it. And when you look at biblical setting, this is the key that we use with denarius. It's a day's wage. So, so that's what they're expected to do. They're supposed to come in in the morning, work all day, and you're going to get a day's wage. Does that sound fair? If you've got a job, you understand that you work all day, you get a day's wage. I think most of us understand that. That's, that's the deal, right? Comparing this to the rich young ruler and the question of the apostles that, that we just studied, what does the day's pay represent to faithful serving Christian? That faithful serving Christian expects eternal life. This is really what this day's pay is. If you work for the, work for the Father, you work in His vineyard, you expect to pay, the agreed amount is that eternal life. That's really what it is. Could you get twice eternal life? If you worked twice as long, could you get twice the eternal life? Two times infinity is infinity. Let me ask the math major. Is that true? Most of it's still true, huh? Chuck and I have old math. Crane has newer math. It's still true. Yeah. You can't double it. You can't multiply it. It's still it's the eternal reward in heaven. That's what it is. Um, God's invitation is constant. He goes back at the third hour. So he goes back, for instance, maybe like 9 o'clock in the morning, goes to Marketplace and says, I still need more workers. Who wants to come work in my vineyard? And he hires a few. He goes back sixth hour. He goes back at like noon. I still need more workers. Who wants to come work in my vineyard? And he gets a couple more. He goes back at the ninth hour. Same thing. So he goes back three more times and hires more workers at the same exact place. Um, and he's, 
He hires them for, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I'll give you. What's he agree to pay them? He doesn't really have to agree to pay them anything, does he? This is whatever's right. The first one's, you get a denarius to do a day's pay. The second one's, uh, whatever's right is what I'll do it. What's his evaluation of the laborers that he invites to work in his vineyard at the third hour? Going out at the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. What's his evaluation of these people? He calls them idle. You know that? Do you think they were idle, idle? They were just milling around doing nothing? Or do you think they were doing work that wasn't his work? I know it's a parable, so who knows, right? Or they just stand around. And some of this looks like God says, if it's not work in my vineyard, he doesn't qualify it as work at all. It's just idleness. You know, we've, that's a common thing too. If you're not doing it for God, who are you doing it for? So he sees them as idle. I don't know if they're just milling around or they're not working for him, so they're idle. Seeks six naval laborers, sixth hour, ninth hour. What do you think these laborers represent in a parable? The ones that come later on. They come on later in life, yeah. Why would they come later in life? Especially when they've heard the call earlier in life. Alvin? Yeah, there you go. Hard-headed. Yeah, there you go. Welcome to the club. Some people are hard-headed. Maybe it's a hard, hardened heart. Um, things look different, don't they? Yeah, whether it's the end, the end coming is definitely a, a motivating factor. Hey, what have I done all this life? Maybe, yeah, it takes a little longer to understand. They don't, they see it, but they don't, is that really what I'm seeing? Or they don't see it all. They see people go to church, but they don't see Christians. Or they see Christians who are, don't seem faithful. Chuck? It's idleness. Yeah. There's got to be more to it than this. Yeah. I, I, and I think this is what it is. It's people, they're, they're beat down, they're, you know, and they don't even know it. They don't know that what they're not seeing. It's, uh, I mean, that's, that's the, the lie of sin is it doesn't really look as dirty in it as it does from the outside. Sharon? Left the church. Inside from that, well, maybe a part of that. Uh, it could be, you know. I, I would, I would say that the idol. I would say yes. Some of those people, yeah. I mean, they, they were there and they all heard the call. Come work for me. No, I've been there before. You know. It, so yeah, I would say some of those people are people who formerly worked in the vineyard. They're not really. I don't know, that's a big question. Are they Christians before they come to the vineyard? Are they 
I don't know. Like I say, it's a parable and you read too much into it, you're not going to read. That's the point. The point here is you don't earn eternal value, you know, eternal salvation. God gives it to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's the real key here. You don't earn it. Whether you work all day or you work one hour, you can't earn it. And I will say that, yeah, there are people who are, are Christians and they wander away and they, they come back, you know, and they see it. A lot of people, you've heard, a lot of people have heard the gospel and they know the truth, but then they keep the truth till later in life. Circumstances in life change. About the eleventh hour he went out and found some others standing and said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one's hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. So it was his fifth trip to the marketplace to find vineyard, to find laborers, and he still finds some standing around. He asked the question, Why aren't you working? What's their answer? Nobody hired us. Why hadn't they been hired? I think that's really the key. They didn't step forward. You got to get in the truck. You know, jump in the back. We'll go to work. I th- I think that's really the key. They yeah. Alvin. They heard the call four times. Yeah, they heard the call, and not a negotiation of wages or anything else. They've heard the call. And they just, nobody's hired us. Well, you're right, but you haven't tried. So describe those guys. Throw this one in there. What are they like? You can describe them in the parable. You can describe them out of the parable. Someone who comes to Christ at that 11th hour. That could be deathbed. It doesn't have to be death, but I, yeah, that, that's really late. And I hope it's not. I hope. Yeah, our 59th minute. Yeah, that that's they're really late. Sharon. Oh. People just volunteer to do it. You know, volunteer to do things, and yeah. some people hear about groups and they okay. Well, I'm going to those groups, and some people. You have to go directly to them and say, I need for you to go with me and go talk to this person or be more direct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you find out here in church. Sometimes they say, hey, this work needs done. Well, people step up. Some people, like what we get a lot of times, if you don't find somebody, let me know. Why don't you just say yes? <laughs> the reason I ask is because there wasn't anybody to do it in the first place. And yeah, but some people have to go up to them, and I, I am. That's how I became a Bible teacher. Hey, you interested in teaching second, third, fourth grade Bible class? No. Great. I'll write your name down. It's like, you know, that's how I got this awesome job. So, yeah. I think these guys, if you wanted to put them in a parable setting, I mean, you can have the lazy guy that's he's just leaning against a tree. He's got one eye open. No. Not yet. No. No. You can look at it that way. These guys might be the ones who just really, life has beat them up. They've they're, they're, they're kind of stooped over and they, they walk with a limp and they've just, you know, physical labor, not, not a good job for them. But in reality, these are people who, Steve? I've always viewed this parable as 
Right. And so, you know, they, okay, so the, when we look at the parable, we have to realize, okay, yeah, I've been a Christian for, you know, however, how many years, and here comes this guy, he's 70 years old, and now he wants to be a Christian. We have to realize, you know, this blessing of being in Christ, maybe we've had the blessing longer than they have had, but they are still coming to Christ. Right. Yeah, a lifetime of Satan hiding the truth, a lifetime of it being shaded and not being able to see it, not able to hear it, you know, and that's, that's what you really see. These people are beat up by sin and beat up by life, and they're finally hearing the call or finally finding it viable for them. Chuck? Quality of how they worked in the vineyard. Yeah, you, talk, so you were in the vineyard, you may have picked a grape. <laughs> you didn't earn it. Yeah, no. yeah that, you're right. You might have picked a grape. And each of them has a different talent. So. Hopefully we'll get to that. I don't know. Bell already rang. Laborers represent Christians. Why do these Christians respond to the gospel so late? Um, end, of the, end of the day, when the end of the day comes and it's time to pay out, that end of the day is, in all likelihood, it's the end of your life. It could be the end of time. depends on when Christ comes again. It, but typically, it's, it's the end of your life. It's a judgment that's made at that point. You know, this is when the, the wages are handed out. This is when eternal life is rewarded. Judgment comes later, but you can't change. Once you're dead, you can't change where your eternal life will be spent. And that's really what that end of the day represents. Somebody say something? No? Okay. Um, the foreman is Jesus Christ himself. He's the one that's called to pay us out the pay. The pay that the last laborers received is a day's pay. It's the eternal life. Ninth hour, sixth hour, third hour, all day. They all get the same pay, eternal life in heaven. Why did the master pay them so well? Why pay that guy that picked one grape? as well as the guy who worked in the sun all day. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a, that's a good answer. Yeah, it's grace. It's, God has a lot to give. Back to the infinity thing. How much grace does God have? As much as he wants to. So that's, yeah, that's where it comes out. He paid him well because that's what seemed fair to him. Um, the expectation of the first hired laborers, they hired on for denarius. They thought the guy that walked, worked one hour, if he's going to get a denarius, maybe we'll get 12 denarii. You know, that changed their aspect in their mindset, but it's not really, they still get the same thing, the same pay, eternal life. They grumble and they complain. Satan gets them too, basically. Jesus' reason for telling this parable is to try to remove envy, jealousy, petty attention to little differences from the apostle's heart. 
These are Satan's tools. And Satan had basically gotten to these people. And that can, ha- it can and it does happen here. It happens in the church. But this, the purpose of this parable, one of the purposes is for the, for the apostles themselves. Get rid of that. Don't, you know, we, you don't need to judge people. You don't need this thing. This is what, the, what you get rid of. And I will just keep on moving. Um, root of problem. There it is. Let, all be, let, let it be remembered that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. The grand lesson is we do not deserve. We don't, we don't merit salvation. It's not because of what we've done. It's all grace, but it does require obedience. It does require coming to the kingdom and working in the kingdom. Chuck? Where's faith? No, you can't earn it. You got to you got to come to the kingdom to have it. Is really the key. So, all right. Well, thank you all. Um, no class next Sunday. We're only doing worship next Sunday morning at ten o'clock. So no Bible class next week.